Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and it's so great to be with you following another great week of talk, music, and community for our older adult audience. We have an excellent show today, very timely, and absolutely a uh, perfect opportunity for us to think about our futures, especially those of us in the Not Old Better Show audience. We think about them all the time, so let's put it into practice. You know, life moves really fast these days with stresses all around us, whether it's health or unexpected emergencies and everything else in between, we in the Not Old Better Show audience may feel like we've done so much living, but not had a full life, and we may not have a plan for the rest of our lives. How do you find the time now to plan for your future so that when you get there, it's there for you? You know, a future? (laughs) And a future you can really enjoy. Remember the title of our guest's book today, not dead yet, and all will be well. With people living longer, they are faced with decisions about finances, health, and emotional and social well-being. In the new book, which is really wonderful, entitled, as I say, Not Dead Yet, Rebooting Your Life After 50, Barbara Ballinger and Margaret Crane, our guests today, are two long-time 70-something journalists who are friends and writing partners, and they're going to share with us today how they and all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience can navigate this new stage of our lives. You know, filled with optimism, energy, humor, honesty, and compassion, the book Not Dead Yet will take you through the journeys, decisions, failures, losses, and successes of people as we age and how we try to live joyfully, whether sharing that shivas, wakes, and funerals might be good places to meet new friends and potential dates, or sharing their riff on an imagined co-housing arrangement for their final years, Barbara Ballinger and Margaret Crane will make all of us laugh today. We'll cringe a little bit too, but we will think hard. And I think at the end of the show, you'll realize that you're not alone in figuring out that as you get older, you can become an age defier. Barbara Ballinger is an award-winning freelance journalist, author, and reporter. Margaret Crane is a nationally known freelance writer focusing on business, food, wine, fashion, home furnishings, and real estate. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet foam, Barbara Ballinger and Margaret Crane. Meg Crane and Barbara Ballinger, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to talk to you this new year. Uh, Happy New Year to both of you, and I hope you're both well and uh, surviving as families are right now, the variant and all that we're facing, but uh, I wish you the best. And is everybody everybody doing okay? Yes. Yes, we're just tired of it like everybody. (laughs) Tired of it is right. I can agree with that. Yeah, I was telling someone I feel like I'm living in a candy store, but I can't partake of the goods at this point. I moved from St. Louis to New York City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, my best to you, and uh, hopefully we will, you know, get past this, and um, I'm getting tired of it, too. But um, I wanted to talk today about your book, Not dead yet which is just this great title it really it really caught me and i I know our audience is just going to love this conversation with you both so let me just begin by asking kind of a, a general question related to the book of course why is it that people feel like they're not fully prepared 
for the rest of their life once they get to a point where they really want to enjoy the rest of their lives. I mean, we're not dead yet. <laughs> I'll start. And this, this is Barbara, and we're going to share going back and forth. Uh, we think a lot of it has to do with people don't like to think about mortality. Who likes to think about, you know, the years or uh, the clock is ticking down. Many also don't want to take the time to plan. And it does take time. We found that when we worked together on our first book, which was about family business, many owners and members were spending so much time putting out fires, they didn't have time to think of it ahead. And also, we're in the category of boomers. We don't feel old, and which makes us ignore the aging. In my Zoom, one of my Zoom groups, uh, I asked if people were starting to downsize. These are friends, and everybody mm -hmm. except for one person said, we're not old enough. <laughs> Meg? Right. Well, we don't feel old enough, and mm -hmm. as a result, uh, many of us haven't done any estate planning, have a living will. Many of us haven't even thought about buying a cemetery plot, which will be our final resting place. Um, I think most people in our society want instant gratification, and we tend to act in a crisis rather than plan, which, as Barbara said earlier, planning is boring and it takes work. Right. It, it does take some work. Yes. It takes us out of this kind of notion that you talk about in your excellent book, again, not dead yet, love this, you talk about this idea of living in the moment. And so right. I wonder if you define that. I, I know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you in, in relation to the book to live in the moment? Well, it's almost a contradiction because in the initially we said, you know, plan, people don't want to plan. Living in the moment is something mm -hmm. uh, our kids say all the time. And Barbara, do you want to elaborate? Mm -hmm. You know, we tended in the past, I would say, not to do it so much, but as Meg said, to plan ahead. But we realize now if we do that, we're ignoring the joy of every single day. So mm -hmm. we've really tried to do both, give people a roadmap to enjoy their time, whatever they're doing, and then to think ahead. And sometimes that means rebooting what they've been doing and whether it's rebooting relationships with friends or kids, rebooting where you live, all sorts of different things, mm -hmm. rebooting habits. Yeah. And, and I should, right. it's like our computers. Sorry. Yeah, and I think I thought that was I thought that was interesting, and I, and and I I wanted to underscore that too. And I, I'm remiss that the full title of the book is not dead yet: rebooting your life after 50. And so it does hearken to this idea of computers and kind of restarting a little bit. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at there too in living for the moment, living in the moment is kind of this idea about restarting. In the book, you talk about homes and you talk about our our places of residence and. Uh, and there are castles and what we put into them and, and, and how we feel safe here, certainly in our homes, but they can be a drain on us financially and they can be almost this unfair anchor that kind of roots us in place, maybe not allowing us to travel or leave for other reasons and even to experience other places. So I think, you know, as our as we age, our community thins out, home really is less of that, yet 
it seems as though it's more of that. It's kind of this odd mix too, almost the paradox there too. So I wonder how you advise people to, you know, kind of view this predicament uh, of the home as the anchor yet, you know, kind of being out there and enjoying life uh, a little bit beyond our borders and, and not, not doubling down out of comfort. Well, I think we have to figure out, first of all, as we get older, be realistic about what we can physically and financially handle. There comes a point sometimes in which, you know, you find that you're spending too much money or too much effort to maintain a space where your kids aren't coming to, you're not using all the time. So, you know, if it doesn't give you as much joy, maybe it's time to cut back. On the other hand, if it still gives you a lot of pleasure, I'm in a two-story older home. And one of my daughters said to me, mom, do you have your plan B? Your house, you know, it's not really for uh, your age group. And I thought about it and I thought, but it still is the place I love. So for now, I'm not going to change it. But I'm also, but I'm also thinking about alternatives. Yeah. I mean, change is scary to many people. Um, I, I literally woke up one morning and decided I'm moving to New York City, where I have two sisters and a son who was transferred here four years ago. Uh, it's, it's tough to leave what you're familiar with, to get up and have to figure out you know, how to downsize for five people, which is what I had to do in St. Louis, going from a large condo to a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment, uh, giving up many childhood friendships because it's where I grew up. And it takes a lot of guts. But as we'll talk later, we, we will elaborate more about feeling like you're getting stuck. Well, and I also, as I said to Meg, because I moved back east from the Midwest when we had met, and I did it almost 12 years ago to a small village in upstate New York. And I said to Meg, when she was moving to New York, you know, this, your move doesn't have to be permanent. If it doesn't work, it's a, it's a pain in the neck to move again. It's expensive, time consuming, but you can do it if it doesn't work. So don't view yourself as that you have to stay there just because that's what you decided. Right. And which is one of the reasons I rent. I didn't buy anything because, you know, the lease is up. Mm-hmm. If I don't like it, I move. Yeah, less ties and maybe easier options on. And yeah. did you find that you had ample uh, options in terms of, of renting? Was was there more available than buying? Was that a consideration? I decided to rent because of my age and the fact that it, I didn't know if it would be permanent. And it's so much easier. Um, at least for me, it's easier. Also, yeah, there was a lot of stock. New York's very expensive. Price was the the most difficult thing to deal with. And I had a budget, and I had to work within that. And I had two sisters here helping me. And I found what I wanted. And for now, it's great. We'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, I haven't had a rent increase because I moved here right before the pandemic. So that's been, you know, I'm kind of spoiled and I don't know what they're going to stick me with when my lease comes up in June. Mm -hmm. So I'll find out. 
Are you just loving all of the entertainment options, the various things to do and see in New York City, as well as eat, plus families there, too? I did. <laughs> right, right. Right. Well, for six months, I had a ball. Yeah. It was fantastic. Right. And then I walked in my building one day, and there were men in hazmat suits cleaning up because the pandemic had struck our building. So um, it's been it's been an interesting experience. Yeah. And all this weighs on us, and it it, mm-hmm. it does keep us rooted, perhaps. And it, so it becomes harder to change, I think, a little bit. And you yeah. you have this wonderful quote from Philippa Lally in the book, uh, who's a health uh, psychology research at the University College in London. And she says, a new habit usually takes a little more than two months, 66 days to be exact, and as much as 254 days until it's really formed. So do we do we change? How do we kind of get into that mindset and then kind of make all of this momentum happen in our favor so that we are enjoying these these times in our lives? I think we're very good at I mean, we're fortunate we have each other to bounce ideas off of. And we also have other friends. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly talking about changing up our eating habits, changing up, you know, I'm going to get better and floss and brush every single day and twice a day (laughs) and and use that water pick. I'm going to go walk every single day. So we're constantly trying. And I think we do try things. We're good at that. But I think we also don't beat ourselves up when we don't. Or, you know, if we break the habit, then we get back on the horse and try it again. Wouldn't you say that, Meg? I like like what you said. Yeah, the last chapter of our book is titled, Is Our Inner Cake Baked? How We Evolve as We Age to Live in the Moment. And I think that we we quote someone saying that personalities are malleable. Uh, we, we both strive to improve ourselves all the time to, con- to become better people, especially as we age, and we know so much more. And I think people change based on circumstances and experiences and trauma and interests and where we just are in our lives. If we have kids, don't have kids, grandchildren, we try to, our, our thing is, I think Barbara and I try to grow and not get stuck. Um, I was in a grief support group when my husband died, and this was 10 years ago, and two of the people I'm still friendly with are still stuck. And I just, I don't get it. I do think people change, and they change in many ways. Well, and I think we've been very lucky. We have five children among us. Meg has three I have two, I have grandchildren, and they've really pushed us not to stay stuck. They, That's um, true. They're, they're strong people, opinionated. They're now, you know, they were very, uh, they were almost like the parent during the pandemic. You can't do this, mom, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so we're changing. We're giving up a little bit of our control to them and listening to them more. Hmm. You know, not on everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Well, well that's that, a they whole don't listen to us on everything. Topic. Yeah, that's a whole other topic is right. Not anymore. Yeah. No. Right. There's a whole section in our book about how to get along with your yeah, children. It's a totally a different dynamic. Which is a challenge at times. I think it's harder than when they were little. <laughs> I do, too. I started watching last night a series on TV, which was years which and years ago. Um, Grey's Anatomy. I'd never watched it. And so we started watching it. And I told (laughs) my two daughters and one of them said, 
my God, Mom, it has 19 seasons. You'll be 100 by the time uh, it's <laughs> over. And I thought, well, thank you for that yeah. reminder. And I thought, I may not watch the whole entire series just because I started watching it. So, you know, they're they're wonderful about Well, and then the idea, too, is they that are. we might just want to binge it for about three weeks straight. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah. do anything else. Well, that, too. Well, Barb, Barb, yeah. Well, Barbara lived to be at least 100. Her mother lived to be yeah. almost 101. So you have good yeah. news there, Barbara. Right. And I'm not going to let you go before <laughs> me anyway. Right. Thank you. Again, the title of the book is Not Dead Yet, Rebooting Your Life After 50. We're with Barbara Ballinger and Margaret Crane. You both sound like good friends. I wonder if, because you mentioned your kids and you mentioned their opinions about your lives going forward. Have they pushed you to expand your kind of list of, of friends? Are you seeing that group and that community of friends grow a little bit? And and what's your advice on that subject? Should we be a little bit more spontaneous about meeting people? I don't yeah. think – I don't think – I don't think we credit our children uh, with that. I mean, we're both now like we're both people. People we like meeting people. We're we're uh, someone once said about me, and I think it's true of Meg. You know, you could talk to a tree. We like meeting strangers, <laughs> engaging them. It doesn't mean we want them as our best friends or inner circle or that big friendship we talk about in the book, where you're really close. But we like engaging. We're not afraid to try new friendships. You know, if they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. And maybe they'll just be casual, right, Meg? Yeah. Yeah, we have many friends for many different reasons. Um, Since I moved to New York, I've had to make a conscious effort to meet people. And I don't have any trouble talking to anyone. I mean, I've met people on subways and standing at a bus, uh, taking a class, um, doing a project, tutoring, whatever. I'm always looking to meet people. And, and surprisingly, New Yorkers are pretty open to getting together, at least when we could get together. Um, and Barbara's right, we could talk to anyone. But as we age, our friendships shift a lot. We are weeding out toxic relationships because we want to live in the present. We only have so many days left. And um, I think it's really important to take stock or inventory of our friendships, meet new people when we can, because not only are we, in my case, moving to a new place and losing some old friends. I mean, I'm still in contact with them on Zoom or whatever. But um, people are also dying now, and it's really, it's one of the downsides of aging because we, we've started losing some close friends and, and people we love. Mm-hmm. We've also, we each had some younger friends, which is something oh, we, do. we right. recommend highly. I have a few younger friends. One I met in a painting class, which is a hobby of mine. One I met getting a pedicure. She heard... I was on the cell phone, which you're not supposed to do, but I was talking to one of my daughters and she heard the conversation and she asked me afterwards because she's in a related field and we became mm. friendly mm-hmm. and I treasure that. And she has a 14 year old daughter, which is a joy for me. So mm-hmm. um, that's very important. And I have, mm-hmm. we both have much older friends too. So they hopefully right. value us being the younger friends. I, 
New Yorkers are really healthy people. I have met in the past couple years some 90-year-olds who have more pep and energy than I do, and we profile some of them in our book, one of whom is a Holocaust survivor in Kansas City, is 96 years old. She goes to work every day in our tailor shop and drives this enormous, like, 1980 Oldsmobile Hmm. or something, and in Kansas City, Missouri, where she lives, she is like a big star, and a documentary has been made about her. She's a survival survivor of Auschwitz, believe it or not. Um, and Barbara knows some other people. They're 90-year-olds are the ones who are really healthy and with it, are very positive-thinking people, and they take good care of themselves, which is extremely important as we age. Yeah, well, I think that's good. I think it's it's good that you've got this, this wide gap and this willingness to embrace um, – you know, uh, different people for different ages and different ages. Mm-hmm. I, I watched this video interview with Norman Lear and one of his very mm. close friends is a young man by the name of Eli Berktold, who is the son of a writer that he's familiar with. And they've been friends for, for several years, but they have this great multi-generational friendship and there's 86 years difference in in age there and i just I think, love that yeah i just think that's, that's yeah powerful. i think i read that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really important for us very interesting so we, uh, well they keep relative, you hip yeah mm-hmm. yes and a relative of mine said well you don't really make friends when you're this age and we both would disagree oh, that. with that and we we said that in the book i don't think in some cases you won't build that really deep friendship where you're going to confide in them but we need, as Meg said earlier, different kinds of friendships. So, you know, one can be your exercise buddy. One can be your, Meg does a lot of tutoring of kids buddy. Um, I took a class on my religion, so I have my religious buddies. Um, so they're all different reasons for friendships. How about bucket lists? We hear a lot of talk about bucket lists. Do you, do you, are you believers in bucket lists? Is it just a matter of um, everything I, is a bucket list? Should we ignore that? Embrace I don't it? think, I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. I had, I had a travel bucket list, mm. which was the 15 trips I'd like to take, you know, before I'm, uh, 90 or so, <laughs> you know, one We a did year. a blog on it, Barbara. Yes, and that sort of went, it was fun to make it up. That was the most fun. It sort of went by the wayside because I'm not taking those kind of trips now. So I I really don't have a bucket list. Mm-hmm. I don't think in any part of my life. Do you, Meg? I don't know if I have a bucket list. I, I read a piece yesterday, I don't remember if it's the New York Times, Washington Post, where the author stressed the importance of having a bucket list right now and fulfilling it while we can. Um, I think with the pandemic, it's really hard to have a bucket list because it's sort of a moving target. And I guess in the back of my head somewhere, I, I have a, a list of places I'd like to go mostly to visit my children whom I haven't visited in over two years. But, um, right now I just like to get out of this area and really enjoy my new home of New York City and all that I can experience. What about your financial situations? You know, (laughs) we have to stress the importance of money. You know, we need it to last for us. Um, Certainly our children can help take care of us in some ways, but they have financial obligations themselves. Should money be the big stressor 
as we get a little bit older? Well, I think you have to, I, you don't have to, but I think you're wise to consult a financial advisor of some kind. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. all different types. Uh, some charge, mm-hmm. some don't charge. They're community colleges that have programs. But to have, live within your means, I would say, so that you do have money for the rainy day. I remember my mother said, old age is expensive. Not everything's going to be covered by your health plan, Medicare. You know, you still have to pay for drugs. She had macular degeneration, which cost extra, um, you know, some physical therapy uh, may be included, some may not. So I think you have to balance it. But I think you should indulge yourself in some ways. You know, maybe I joked Hmm. with Meg when I moved to my town. I remember the first day going to the local coffee shop and getting a latte and a stone. And that was $7. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do this every day. But I think, you know, Mm. once a week, go out and do it. I think you have to have some fun and joy in your life. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, most of us live on fixed incomes at this age. Not everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have some money coming in extra from our writing. But there are certain things I won't spend money on. I will not spend money on coffee at a coffee shop because I can make it here. Um, and I won't take a taxi. I mean, I really avoid it because I'm in New York City. I have legs and there are buses. I won't take a subway right now, but that will get better. And Barbara and I have talked about this a lot. One of the advantages of being a senior is there are so many deals. Mm -hmm. You know, there are freebies and frequent flyer things and reduced fares on public transportation, movie theaters, all kinds of things, buying clothes, whatever. So it's another plus of being over, you know, 50, 65, whatever you consider older age to be. Mm-hmm. Well, you've talked, you've both talked a little bit about classes that you're taking, doing some teaching. Uh-huh. I wonder if you talk a little bit about hobbies and certain things that you care about, but have left and mm-hmm. maybe decided, well, I'm going to get to that. Well, we, I went back to painting, which I'd done a lot in college. So I take a once a week class. There was a period during the pandemic I didn't feel safe. I go to regular exercise. So I, as I mentioned, I took this class in my religion. So uh, I've done a, a lot of classes, but I also, if I don't like it, I don't do it. I went to a certain yoga class. And I went with someone and I was so bored. I kept asking the person, what time is it? What time is it? Because I was counting the minutes till it was over because I thought I was going to fall asleep. But that was me. So I think it's a matter of trying it, trying it a few times. And if you don't like it, move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're at a time in our lives where we don't we're not really not beholden to anyone. You know, we don't have bosses or time necessarily or anybody standing over us so it's a great time to try something and we're not getting a grade it's not a you know a course we're not in school so if we don't like it quit and try something else um you know you can always go back to something you enjoyed maybe a long time ago and you haven't had time between work and child rearing to continue doing now's a great time barbara as she said is now painting again um, I used to sing opera. I'm not going to go back to singing opera, but I thought of maybe going and getting in a, you know, chorus or something at some point. Um, 
I used to be really handy with a camera. I took a class and I've started taking digital photography, uh, using it as a way to meet people too, because they see you, it's almost like having a dog. They see you walking around with a camera and you stop and start chatting and may I take your picture. So it's been great for that. Um, again, if you think to yourself, well, I don't have a passion, look in the newspapers and magazines and ads on TV and the internet for ideas of what might be your passion. There's so many we've done, classes and workshops. Talk about cooking. What? Sorry for interrupting. Talk oh, about cooking. Oh, yeah. We both, oh, we, well, we're very competitive for cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Desserts yeah. or tell, main tell dishes? Tell them about our grilled cheese competition. Well, oh, yeah. I'd love to hear about this. <laughs> I love grilled cheese sandwiches. This is so silly. <laughs> yeah, I saw an ad online for the Wisconsin Grilled Cheese Contest. So I said, Meg, let's enter this. <laughs> and so we each entered. We were each convinced that ours was the best and was going to win. Of course. Neither did. And then we entered it again <laughs> and neither won. But we've made, during the pandemic, we each made apple cider donuts. Oh, wow. And we made some other things that, you know, we took pictures of and shared with each other. So we have fun with that. Well, you're both doing so much and so much for us today. We, we just appreciate your generous time, both of you. We would love to have you back. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about Barbara Ballinger and Meg Crane at Life Lessons at 50, authors of the book Not Dead Yet, other books and articles that they've written. Uh, this has just been so enjoyable. I, I've learned so much from you and from the book and uh, and just can't wait to talk to you again and keep track of all of your you know, great things that you're doing, including flossing and using that water pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and Barbara's teeth are wonderful now. No, Megan's Meg been a role model in that, though. So. Yeah, I'm really the nutsy one with the flossing, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, my dentist, my been, big... Yeah, she's but, been my role model. Yeah. Well, both of you uh, have a great uh, new year. And let's stay in touch. I'd love to talk to you again. I know our audience will as well. So thank you both, Barbara Ballinger, Meg Crane. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much. My thanks to New York Times best-selling authors Barbara Ballinger and Margaret Crane. Their book, Not Dead Yet, Rebooting Your Life After 50, is available now for purchase wherever you find your books and like to read. My thanks to you, my dear Not Old Better Show audience, for your company today. I hope you'll join me next time. Please be safe, be healthy, and absolutely practice smart social distancing. And remember, let's talk about better. Thanks, everybody.